it seems to me that there is almost no sort of recognition of the fact that without some tight regulations, you know, the gambling addiction problem could really, really cause a massive problem in the US. And I think that that's something that's going to come in probably soon. Hey, this is Jesse here, and this is the Betting Startups Podcast, where we talk with the founders and CEOs of the most promising startups competing for a piece of the multi-billion dollar sports betting industry. This episode is brought to you by GeoComply, a leading provider of cutting-edge anti-fraud and geolocation solutions that detect location fraud and help verify a user's true digital identity. All right, we are back on the Betting Startups podcast, and with me here is Dean from Profit Exchange, who is returning for his second guest host appearance. Dean, we last caught up around four months ago when you hosted the episode with Evan from Outlier, so great to have you back here in the host seat for this one. How's summer been going on your end? And maybe more importantly, how are you and the team at Profit feeling here around a month out from the start of the new NFL season? Thanks for, for having me on again, Jesse. First and foremost, I think I was, uh, I, I was a lot better this time around than the first time around. I, I had a lot of uh, rust and experience the first time. But uh, this summer, uh, leading up to NFL, it's a very large mix of excitement and nerves, I will say, for sure. We are always planning and iterating on, on what we're going to be doing to increase our user base. But I think where we are at right now and with some of the strategies rolling out, the partnerships we're forming and the promotions that we'll be rolling out to increase our customer base and make the exchange mainstream uh, is really, really exciting. Now, I'm nervous because if it doesn't work, well, then we're going to have to think about plan B and plan C and so on. But uh, I'm excited. Right on. Well, looking forward to uh, NFL kicking off and seeing what you and the team get up to for it. But before all of that, let's talk about this episode ahead of us here. You spoke with Jack from Profit Duel, which is a new matched betting product focusing on the U.S. market. And, you know, given the fact that you operate an exchange in the U.S. and also have familiarity with matched betting in the U.K., where Jack is based, I thought this would be a really solid discussion. And frankly, it didn't disappoint. So uh, wondering if you can give folks listening just a quick preview of what they're about to hear in your discussion with Jack. First of all, it was really fun. So first of all, background match bending is a, a fancy way of saying the ability to make free money from the risk-free promotions that sportsbooks offer. Sorry, no sweat promotions that, that sportsbooks offer. And there is a huge business in the UK that's dedicated to this field. Now, much of our discussion is about what the US looks like now versus what the UK looks like now and how the US has been following in the footsteps of the UK and ultimately what the U.S. market will look like given the legal and regulatory structure that's in place versus the U.K.'s legal and regulatory structure, and then also how we've been following the U.K.'s path. So we spoke a lot about that, which in turn involves match spending and exchanges, right? Uh, naturally, as this takes off more and more, betters are going to get smarter. We dive into that. We talked about how the U.K. is now turning to maybe more responsible gaming measures and how operators are getting a lot smarter on the machine learning side, identifying customer behavior a lot more quickly as opposed to more reactively. So just honestly, just I love that it was a fascinating talk about the UK versus US as a, as an overarching theme. Awesome. Well, what's fascinating indeed. Thanks again for stepping up and hosting once again. You did a, an awesome job. So hopefully we can get you back for a hat trick before the year though. But for now, onto the episode with Jack from Profit Duel. Hello, everyone. I am proud to announce that this is my now second recording with the Betting Startups podcast. My name is Dean Sisson. I'm co-founder and CEO of Profit Exchange. That is probably the last you're going to hear about Profit Exchange on this call because I am with Jack Taylor, CEO 
of, of Profit Zone. What's going on, Jeff? Dean, how's it going? All good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. As most people can tell from your accent right off the bat, you are not American, but you are running an American company. How is that? Correct. Yeah. So I am, I'm British. I'm from a little town in the north of England called Bakewell near Sheffield. Probably never heard of it. Uh, so apologies if any of my language is a little bit off or no one can understand what the hell I'm saying. But, but yeah, so we've, uh, we launched in the US. It's, it's an interesting challenge, actually, because I live in the UK, live in London. All the operations are run out of the UK and London. We do everything remotely. So yeah, it adds an, an interesting dynamic and challenge to the whole project. So uh, fun fact, I was initially starting my company in the UK and I was told that I had to move to where my market was. Um, <laughs> you have, you have not moved to where your market is. I'm sure we're going to get into that in a bit, but before we get into anything profitable related, I think you have a fairly interesting background in betting for a while. So you want to introduce yourself a bit more, talk about your background and then we can keep going from there. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I started my career at L'Oreal, um, a French massive cosmetics company in digital marketing. I don't wear makeup and I'm not French, so I wasn't going to last very long in that company. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many of the senior leadership te team there, the men, actually wear makeup. From there, I moved to work for, in the fashion industry. I went to work for Paul Smith, um, who is a British designer, again, in digital marketing. But then I went to work for Universal Music, record label. Music's my passion, so that was a really, really exciting project. The thing about working in those arty industries is they don't pay very well. So you can't pay your mortgage with free gig tickets and like cool party invites and stuff like that. Uh, so then I sold my soul and went to work in the gambling industry. That first started with uh, Smarkets, who are a betting exchange, similar to Profit Exchange, actually. I was uh, head of marketing there for a couple of years. And then from there, I went to work for a match betting company in the UK, a big one. I was commercial director there initially. I was there for about four or five years. Um, we'll get onto what match betting is in a minute, but, um, from there, I went to work for a tr more traditional sports book, a company called Rush Partners. They own, um, their biggest UK brand was a, a bookie called Fans Bet, but their main money makers are, um, online casinos in Japan and Canada. Uh, I was CMO there for a few years and then subsequently went back to the match betting industry and then did some freelance stuff, some consultancy stuff for a while. And now I've gone back to the match bank uh, industry. So I work for the group is called BetConnect Group. So we have a company called Odds Monkey, who are a UK match betting company. We have Profit Jewel, which are a US match betting company, which is my main focus. And we also have a company called BetConnect, which is a, a it's similarly kind of like an exchange in the UK. It's a licensed operator over here in the UK. Quite a background. Been in bank for a while now. So yeah. About 10 years, yeah. Do you want to touch on a little bit more about, because uh, I'm curious immediately about the the formation of Profit Duel, kind of under this BetConnect umbrella. I know it's kind of spun out of OddsMonkey. It's it's a US entity. I don't think BetConnect and OddsMonkey had any relationship until fairly recently, because I used to, or I still talk to former BetConnect CEO. So do you want to go into a little bit about about that background and ultimately what, what Profit Duel focuses on? Yeah, sure. So Odds Monkey was a match betting company in the UK, started in about 2014 or 2011, I think. And BetConnect was started in about 2014. Please don't double check that date. From there, so BetConnect Bet and Odds Monkey kind of have complementary business models in the sense that you can lay bets on BetConnect. A uh, key part of match betting is the ability to lay bets, mm -hmm. as you know. 
and the 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 VC fund owned Bet Connect or a large large portion of it is called Candy Ventures. A guy called Nick Candy is a British, uh, Australian billionaire guy. He's um his wife is Holly Valance, who some of you might know. He builds a lot of big properties around the world. So they had a controlling stake in BetConnect. Now they uh, are faced with the decision either to double down or to sort of create complementary investments to that business to try and help it grow. One of those investments was to invest in OddsMonkey. So that's where BetConnect group formed. That group only formed probably about a year ago, I think. And then I've been involved in the ProfitJewel side of things for like literally two or three weeks. So I've only been I'm sort of brand new, really. ProfitJewel is the US listed company of OddsMonkey. So we're doing what OddsMonkey do in the UK, in the UK, but over in the States. For those that don't know, match betting is basically, uh, it's a system by which you can take advantage of the sports book, sign up and a recurring customer offers and actually profit from them. So we give bits of software, video guides, forums, live chat support, all that kind of stuff um, to teach people how to do this. It's basically a way of making money online. I first started match betting God, ages ago when I was in university, like 15 years ago now or something. Back then, it wasn't really a formalized thing in the sense there weren't these subscription services that taught people how to do it. And now it's a completely different thing. It's actually quite a corporate sort of industry. There are two big players in the UK. OddsMonkey is one of them. There are a couple of players in the US. ProfitJewel is one of them. There's one called Dark Horse Odds as well. Um, there's a guy, a guy called OddsJam, I think, whose founder has also been on this podcast previously. Um, OddsJam do much more than just match betting, but um, ProfitJewel focuses just on match betting. So we're basically trying to take what is a really, really quite an interesting and, and profitable industry, both for the, the subscription services and the people, the members in the UK, and then translate that over to the US. Um, so that's fundamentally what we're trying to do. Match betting, as far as I can tell, hasn't taken off at all in the US, yeah. uh, which is crazy because you guys have some really, really, really high value uh, offers. As you know, Dean, the, the US operators are in a bit of a land grab. They just want as many customers as possible. And they're chucking around some crazy, crazy numbers, so like $1,000 signups and stuff like that. Rule of thumb is with our software and our guides, you can make about sort of 70 to 90% of the value of the free bet back. Wow. If you're pro- so from a $1,000 free bet, you can make like $800, $900. And that's actually money that you can withdraw as well. Some, some people think that that money is going to be like stuck in the bookie, like in purgatory that you can, you can only bet with it, whatever. But that's actually withdrawable. So that was a lot of really good info there. I'm, I'm going to try to pick that apart the best I can in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> the next 20 minutes. You were in the UK doing uh, match betting for Odds Monkey, And now, yeah. first of all, thank you for coming on this just two, three weeks into the job. I'm sure it's a little hectic over there. And now you're back in match betting on the US side. So clearly you saw something that you liked. And we'll get into why it's not taken off here yet. Can you get into what it looks like in the UK a little bit and why it's so popular. And then we can talk more about the US. So the UK, so like I said, there's two big subscription services in the UK. I would estimate there's probably around 40,000 members or maybe 50,000 members split between those two companies. And these are people playing like 25 pounds a month. Yeah. I was going to say at least monthly actives, if not daily. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know what? There is a whole tranche of people who don't even use these services that also do this. It's popular in the UK because culturally, I mean, in the UK, we've been gambling for like 500 years or something, right? So <laughs> we're quite comfortable with the concept of gang- gambling. I know that you lived in the UK for a while. 
Um, I don't know if any of the um, listeners have been to the UK, but if you do come here, you probably will be shocked by the amount of high street players, amount of adverts and stuff. Like it's pretty crazy when you sort of look at it objectively. But yeah, as as an American to 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 jump in here, when I first moved to the UK, I remember as with my co-founder, and we were like so excited because we're like, wow, there's betting shops everywhere. We walked into a betting shop, and that was the last time I walked into a betting shop. I was like, wow, this is very depressing. It's just people betting oh, yeah. on horses at 11 in the morning. And there's like this window and it reeks of cigarettes. And, and so, yeah. yeah, that was the last time. And then we just stuck to mobile betting from there. <laughs> it's so, yeah, in the UK, we're culturally, we're very comfortable with the concept of gambling. You know, Grand National is a very big horse race over here. Everybody bets on the Grand National. Mums, grandmas, you know, everybody over the age of 18 bet on the Grand National. It's kind of culturally accepted that everyone have a little bet on this big horse race. And that kind of filters down into a general acceptance that gambling is okay. And that then filters down into a kind of a general acceptance that, you know, signing up to these bookmakers to take advantage of their sign-up offers, there's not really a risk in that. It's fine. Everything's fine. Port that over to the US, where obviously the, the gambling industry is way, way different, way, way newer. There is still a lot of skepticism, I think, around just gambling in general but also generally that, you know, the concept that you can actually make money from gambling, like that's just a crazy thing. You know, a lot of people just think that they're just there to take your money, which a lot of the times they are, don't get me wrong, and they will. But if you use certain systems and, you know, our software and stuff like that, you can actually make money from it. And I think that that penny just hasn't quite dropped yet. Yep. And it's so crazy because like you said, the offers are so high. As an operator, I damn well know how, how high these acquisition costs are and how high the promotional spend is. I think I've seen competitors' sportsbooks range from 25% to 65% uh, on promotional spend per customer. And that's not, that's not to get a customer in the door. That's not even a risk-free offer. That's what happens after you place your risk-free offer. Um, so yeah. there, is, there is just so much free money on the table. And it's interesting that it hasn't taken off yet because there are sites like... In, I wanted to get into, you know, maybe some of the, the sites that you work with in the UK, but there are sites that just help you make money without uh, having a job, right? Like that, that's a very popular, I guess, a uh, way forward in the US. And this is not, this is one of those ways and it's not gambling. Like the, it's gambling, but it's, it's not gambling because gambling implies yeah. that it is an outcome of chance. And this is not an outcome of chance. It's actually, you are going to make the same amount of money no matter what happens while utilizing match. Um, so who do you guys work with in, or who did you work with in the UK? Maybe not like typical sports betting affiliates, but companies uh, that just help consumers make additional money. Uh, do you mean the other match betting companies or the other make money online stuff? Like the make money online stuff, exactly. Yeah, so, in, so the, the match betting industry in the UK is quite interesting because it's somewhat fragmented. There is a lot of uh, subgroups, I would call them, like, mums stay at home mums there is a massive undercurrent of blogs mumsnet is a big site i think it's american in basis but um there's a bit there's a lot of threads on mumsnet about this there's a site called money saving expert which is incredibly popular in the uk especially now because we're in a recession but that you know that has a lot of mentions about this as well there, there is a lot of you know if you go on reddit as well there's a ton of subreddits on this sort of stuff beer money uk and, and things like that beer money is a bit there is a ton, yeah there is a ton of online communities of these people all doing this, all doing this match betting. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how it's not, uh, like you said, it's not really taken off in the US yet. But yeah, that's why I'm here because I, I think it will. I think it's just a matter of time, really. I think a, a common naturally extended thought 
from match betting is because, you know, first of all, us Americans, we're very, uh, we're always on high alert, right? Like we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're always thinking that someone's trying to scam us or screw us. So this naturally sounds like a scam, which is probably why I think it hasn't taken off in the U.S. yet. It's going to take a long time. Well, I've been, we've been running into that problem at profit. It's like bet at minus one on two as opposed to minus one ten. It's just like, well, that sounds like a scam. So that's number one. But number two, I think a naturally extended thought is, okay, well, if match thing takes off in the U.S., why would sports books continue to give out all this free money? Won't it dry up? And you can look at the U.K. as what I always like to say is a, a, a time machine that you can jump through to see what 95% of the U.S. market is going to look like in 10 years and say, well, this is what is going to happen in the match betting community. And this is what's going to happen with promotions and acquisition offers. So do you think yeah. that match betting is going to kill the promotional space or how do you see uh, those two spaces coexisting? Definitely not. Definitely not. So I've, I've, I've worked for an operator. I've, I've, I've run campaigns, you know, I've set pre bet offers out in the wild, all that kind of stuff. Match betting is essentially bonus abuse is basically just a cost of business. It's a very, very small part of the wider gambling industry. There are so many people that will see these free bets, go to the site that will prompt them to place more and more bets because essentially it's an addictive product. And that's the reason they do it. And there's only a tiny, tiny fraction of these people who are smart enough to think, oh, that's actually some free money. If I do X, Y, Z, I can actually extract that money. So most people that receive these free bets or most people that see these free bets will then do the free bet and then go on to place four, five, six, seven, eight more bets. And then that's where, that's where they make their actually money. So it's just a very, very small cost of business for these operators. And you've got the sportsbook experience. So you're speaking from experience there, which is super interesting. How do you guys, this is another concept that's pretty foreign to Americans right now, the exchange concept, spoiler alert, you know, I'm plugging, plugging ourselves here, but how do you guys, or how did you guys work with exchanges in the UK? You also dropped the term lay bets. Uh, yeah. you, also, you also dropped the term mum, which actually means mom here in the U.S. Just very oh, really? Apologies. No problem. <laughs> it's, it's, it's but lay bets is a concept that we are very unfamiliar with. So what, what do you mean by lay a bet? So lay a bet is to bet that something isn't going to happen, which it sounds a bit mad when you think about it. But the difference is that in the U.K., most people are either betting on soccer or horse racing. Uh, soccer or horse racing, there's a winner. There's one winner and the rest are losers, or in soccer, it might be a draw. In US sports, there is a winner and a loser. There's very, very rarely a draw unless it's soccer, obviously. So in the UK, if we were to bet on a soccer match, just fundamentally the concept of match betting is you take both sides of the market. So you place one bet for team A to win. And then you, in the UK with a lay bet, you place another lay bet for team A not to win. So whatever happens with that game, team A is either going to win or they're not going to win. So you've got both uh, sort of sides covered. You've hedged your bet essentially. And our software finds that bet and makes sure that those, ma those odds match. In the US, you don't necessarily need to lay your bets because you can dutch them. So you can, uh, you can bet on a sport like basketball, for example, where there are no draws. So it's either team A to win or team B to win. And that's why, that's, I guess, the fundamental difference between match betting in the UK and match betting in the US. Obviously in New Jersey, our customers are very, very privileged because they have fantastic service like yourselves where they can actually place a lay bet. It is better to place a lay bet because you're placing that lay bet with a betting exchange where you're going to get sharper odds. So you're going to find a closer match between that back bet with the operator and then the lay bet with the exchange. 
The thing, again, with the US, though, is that the, the odds aren't really very sharp. So if you were to do the dutching, i.e. in a state not in New, not in New Jersey, um, you can actually find relatively close bets between those two outcomes, like placing one better as a, a sports book and then dutching it with another better, like another sports book. Super interesting. In the UK, obviously you have Betfair and Smarkets and BetDAC and Matchbooks. You have like all of these exchanges at your disposal. How much better does that make it for the customer in terms of match betting as opposed to the US? Like, like you were just talking about it, maybe a state like Arizona that doesn't have any sort of exchanges. How much money are you, I don't know if you have any of these numbers, are you typically leaving on the table? So, I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, I was doing it. I was obviously laying bets with bet, bets there, I think back, back in the day. You can find matches, percentage matches of sort of like 95% or 90% match a close match between the back bet and the lay bet. Mm -hmm. In the US, if you're just dutching between sports books, it's going to be closer to 70 to 80%. So there is that margin where you're going to lose a little bit of money in there. The difference is that the free bets in the UK might be 10 pounds and the free bet in the US is going to be $100. So you're going to make more money in the US simply by nature of the fact that the free bets they're giving out are so much higher. I was going to say, so kind of expanding on what the UK market it looks like now and what the U.S. market looks like now. Clearly, like you said earlier, like the point of the odds boost and the point of the above the line promotion is to get customers in the door and to get their money into their site, right? And then from there, they place three to 10 more butts and then they're, they're hooked. So you look at the U.K. and you say, okay, well, the offers are lower. Um, but my question is, did they ever start at U.S. numbers or is that more a U.S. Uh, unique? where the market share and the way this, the state landscape is built out is, is unique, where every time they go to a new state, it is a race for market share right out of the gate. And then they kind of scale back. Yeah, I guess my question is, why are the UK promotions so much lower as they stand right now compared to the US and were they ever higher uh, more comparatively to the US? They were. They were definitely higher. They weren't US levels of high, but they were definitely higher. The UK market is mature. It's different. It's been around for, you know, 10, 15 years now in its regulated form. When it first launched, those offers were £100 free bet, £150 free bet, that kind of thing. Slowly over time, and it's found its level now. They're kind of like stagnated a little bit in terms of the value level. But now the real value is in the recurring customer offers. So these are the offers that the sports books and the operators send out to keep people, keep existing customers betting. In the US, like it's still land grab mentality. There's these massive, massive sign-up offers. Although to be fair, the, the, the reloads, as we call them, the recurring offers are starting to trickle through. Um, I know you guys are doing a lot with boosts at the moment. For example, parlays are pretty big. Parlays, are, operators love parlays because of, you know, the statistical probability of them coming off is just not going to happen. But even if that, you know, even with that in mind, there is still a way to profit from them if you use our techniques. Super interesting. Going back to the US-UK analogy, is there anything that is occurring right now in the UK that is, let's say, more advanced than what's happening in the US right now? Not just, you know, the way the market matures, right? Because probably flower gas companies in the UK are a lot more focused on profit margins than US uh, sports betting companies are right now, which is probably why acquisition offers are much lower and why retention and reactivation offers are, are a little higher because it's a lot easier to track and control your return on spend below the line versus above the line. 
is there anything in the UK right now outside of what we just touched on that the US is probably looking at and saying, mm, we probably will get there one day and we probably need to do this one day? Yeah, definitely. So in the UK recently, there was something called the, the gambling white paper release, which is fairly seismic thing in the UK gambling industry. It was, it was a cross-party review into the gambling industry as a whole. And basically the main takeaways away from it were that player harm reduction has to be the number one focus. And so there was a lot of, a lot of laws being passed in the UK, you know, industry, gambling industry now about making sure players are protected. You know, companies in the past have acted in quite a predatory way. For example, you know, if you clearly had a gambling addiction, they would still send you free bets to keep you betting. They would put you in VIP clubs to, you know, get you free tickets and things like this. They were acting in a relatively, you know, well, definitely a predatory way. That player harm reduction is now the main focus in the UK, the UK industry. The onus is on the operator now to identify the, uh, the, the players which are showing signs of becoming gambling addicts. And it's now their responsibility to identify them before they're actually gambling addicts and also put measures in place to help them before they get to that point. In the US, interestingly, I don't see any mention of player harm reduction. You know, you guys have your KYC stuff, you have your geolocation stuff. I think that that's probably more for a tax thing than actually for a player thing. Um, it seems to me that uh, there is almost no sort of recognition of the fact that without some tight regulations, you know, the gambling addiction problem could really, really cause a massive problem in the US. And I think that that's something that's going to come in probably soon. I don't know, Dean, you, you, you know this better than me because you, you own a run and operator, but I don't think player harm reduction is, is a focus now. I think it should be. And I, I think it will be soon, whether that is, you know, but the other thing is interesting about the US is, you know, you have state regulators rather than one oversight, one overseer. So anything that comes in is kind of going to be on a state by state basis, right? It's not going to be like one rule for everybody sort of thing. Um, but I don't know, what, what are your opinions on the, on the player harm reduction side of things? We have a lot of RG policies and procedures in place that will say, and any sense. So a, a stark difference between the UK and the US is when we launched our UK product, there was no product lab that we had to enter into. We had to enter into a product lab and prove that we had proper time limits set up for users if they wanted a time limit, proper deposit limits, proper wagering limits, a ton of other responsible gaming policies and procedures that were set up into the product. And this was all very concretely and firmly tested by New Jersey. And it's why New Jersey is kind of seen as the gold standard amongst regulation. So I think what the difference is, is that formula has been working, whereas the UK didn't have any of that. So like, I remember when, when we were looking to launch in the US, we were like, what's in the UK, the best gambling market in the world. Like, we'll be, we'll know what we're doing. We'll be fine. And it took yeah. us, let's see, we entered the process with the DG roughly in December and then we didn't launch until August 15th. So there's a lot that you have to go through, especially as a new product, not a sportsbook product, but an exchange. So, um, that's my two cents. I also think it's a little early still in the U S right? Like the UK has seen, you said 500 years. I think it's like, you know, 1962 since, since gambling has been legal. Right. So there's, it's a fully saturated, fully mature market. And now you can look at what has been harmful to a lot of people and where do we need to curb that? The only thing, you know, my opinion on this is at what point does regulation become harmful to innovation? And that is a really tight line to walk and probably a really difficult conversation to have and probably one that, you know, might make 
me look greedy if if like I start giving any opinion that for like sways above the line, right? But it's a really hard line to figure out. And I think what yep. we've done in the US is pretty solid so far. But you know, we were talking a couple months ago about this and uh or a couple weeks ago about this. It just takes one like right like example for this to start to sway the other way and maybe for states to come in and say, oh, you know, we might need to take this more seriously. We might need to put in more policies and procedures and more testing and every sports book might now need to re-enter the lab, right? It, it, it could be, you know, one quick seismic change. Is there anything else you've seen on the product side or maybe like the, uh, let's call it belt tightening side in terms yep. of the bottom line that, that the UK is doing as opposed to the US? Uh, consolidation is a big one. And I'm starting to see the, the roots of that in the US as well. But over the past sort of five, 10 years, basically all of the big boys, the big operators in the UK have, have buddied up. So you have, you know, Coral Ladbrokes, uh, you know, there's a whole host of examples, but apart from that 365 who have remained their own sort of thing. And I, I think that that's starting to happen in the US also, you know, I saw that points bet, for example, was, were sold when they recently. So fanatics was it? I think that that consolidation, the consolidation, just you know, namely in terms of the the, the big players in the market, buddying up economies of scale, you know, that kind of thing. I think that that's also the way it's going to go a little bit, um, just because you know th this industry is it's, it's hard to think of a more of, a, of an industry that it has a clearer sort of undercurrent of pure money, money, money. Maybe finance is the only one, but. When it comes to gambling, basically these operators are just going to try and make as much as money as quickly as possible. And I think from the UK, what we've seen is that when they start buddying up, when they start joining forces, the economies of scale are so, so big that they can basically make more money and they can dominate markets more easily. You're absolutely right. I, I, it's only a matter of time before that starts happening more frequently in the US. Um, yeah. Something else that I saw and we've like a couple minutes left here. Uh, for my guidelines, but uh, something else, something else that I saw recently was that the UK is now taking machine learning concepts and they are reading into consumers' just click behavior and trying to identify if they're promo abusers or not, which to me is pretty mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's AI stuff. So Coral do that. Coral and Labrox do that. They will analyze your behavior as soon as you get on the site, not even when you're signed up. And if you follow certain patterns, they will know. They will sort of predict predict what type of player you're going to be and then send you various promos based on that i.e if you look like a promo abuser they're probably not going to send you that much stuff but yeah that's an interesting point well with that jack i wanted to thank you for coming on i found this conversation fascinating i also like to just talk about the uk because i feel like not many of us americans know how advanced the uk market is so seeing what the parallels are and jumping into that time machine is pretty cool and given that you have way more experience than I do in the UK market. Uh, that was fascinating to hear. So thanks for coming on. That was a fun talk. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice one. Cheers.